This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform on Tuesday held a hearing entitled Fueling the Climate Crisis, Examining Big Oil's Climate Pledges. Here's an excerpt from Committee Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney's opening statement. The leading oil companies, Chevron, Exxon, BP, and Shell, now want the public to believe they support the Paris Agreement. They have made their own climate pledges and claim they will reach net zero emissions by 2050. They have spent millions to advertise these plans and greenwash their images. We call today's hearing to evaluate these pledges. But when the committee invited board members of these companies to come in today and explain their pledges, they declined to appear on the date we requested. None of them showed up today, not a single one. So today we will hear from experts who will reveal Big Oil's climate pledges for what they are, empty promises. That's Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, the chair of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, speaking on Tuesday. My guest is Catherine Mulvey, Accountability Campaign Director of the Climate and Energy Program at the Union of Concerned Scientists. Welcome to the program, Catherine. Thanks, Sonali. Nice to be here. So it was remarkable to watch this hearing on Tuesday. It was supposed to gather the heads of the big oil companies and uh, be a follow-up to a hearing that was held in October. And the idea, as uh, Representative Maloney just mentioned, was to see if they were these companies who are touting their climate pledges were actually keeping to these climate pledges, especially given that they are advertising their climate-friendly positions. But none of them showed up. Um, Any sense of why none of them showed up? Yeah, it's a... a good question and the committee definitely seemed impatient uh, in giving them another month to show up on March 8th. So all of these companies are in the height of their annual meeting and annual reporting season. They're facing a lot of pressure from their own shareholders as well as from Congress and it's, um, it's certainly telling that even as they make claims to be Paris aligned or make pledges to get to net zero emissions by 2050, the board members who are supposed to really be the, the fiduciaries and responsible for these companies were not uh, willing to, to show up and speak to Congress. And, you know, it's not as though, did they, I'm wondering if they offered to send proxies. I mean, sure, they might have said, okay, we're just in the midst of our own meetings. We're just too busy. But here we're going to send, you know, a vice president. I mean, these are, these are the world's most wealthy companies. They have plenty of staff. <laughs> they aren't um, wanting in spokespeople. Does their decision to simply not show up tell us much more about where they really stand on climate pledges than otherwise? Yes, uh, it, um, it, I mean, it, it certainly um, these companies sent their CEOs 
virtually to testify before Congress last October. And, uh, you know, there were definitely situations that those corporate leaders got into that that are are not um, that, that don't help to regain their social license with the public or with policymakers. So, for example, you know, all of those CEOs refused to ensure that corporate money isn't spent on funding climate disinformation or efforts to block climate policy. And, uh, you know, so this, this, this is not a, a positive photo op for the leaders of these companies. And the framing for Tuesday's hearing was that, um, it, it, you know, these companies like ExxonMobil knew for decades that their product was an existential threat to our climate, to our species, and didn't say anything about it or claimed they didn't know, said there wasn't enough evidence and poured a lot of money into undermining the findings of their own scientists. That was the uh, topic of the last a hearing and so these climate pledges that these companies have made saying that they're going to be in accordance with the Paris Accords what did those testifying on Tuesday say particularly if we set aside the pro fossil fuel witnesses like the representative from the Heritage Foundation you know right. if we if we look at people from I believe it was there was a, a guest from a witness from public citizen um, those people who are based on climate change realities what did they say about whether or not these companies are keeping to their climate pledges? Yeah, so um, so scientist Michael Mann, who's a, a renowned climate expert, uh, talked about how what these companies are saying and doing is too little, too late in terms of, of avoiding or limiting the worst effects of climate change and um, really pointed out the uh, delays in their action and that the that the pledges that they're making don't uh, address the this critical period between now and 2030 when we need to cut emissions by about half um, and tracy lewis from public citizen talked about how these the climate impacts and also the the impacts of the ongoing dependence on a fossil infrastructure and fossil energy system is uh, is threatening um, and and really harming first and worst the communities on the front line and the fence line both both with um, the effects of of climate change and also with the toxic pollution from refining and and burning fossil fuels it was also interesting to see some Republicans um, try to be part of this questioning. The Republican Party, like fossil fuel companies, had basically simply spent years denying that there was such a thing as climate change. Now that the fossil fuel companies have come out and admitted, oh yes, there is such a thing as climate change. We knew it for many years, didn't do anything about it, but yes, we now accept what climate scientists have been saying for years. Uh, did that make it hard on Republicans? Um, it seems as though the line of questioning sh has shifted from there's no such thing as climate change to, um, well, we need to be energy independent and and, and, uh, and um, addressing climate means all of us are going to have to live without energy and, and power and, 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 you know, go back to riding horse and buggies and, and living like third world nations that don't have power. 
Yeah, I mean, it was striking that the minority witness from the Heritage Foundation uh, was, you know, not only still de denying the science of climate change, but also, um, you know, she's somebody who has implied that that global warming may actually be a, a positive. And so and you can you know, have it both ways, right? Either it's happening and it's positive or it's not right. happening. <laughs> Right. No, that's that's absolutely true. And uh, and, you know, I, I guess um, while the fossil energy companies have themselves moved to uh, forms of denial that are more about delay and about overestimating the costs of transition to a clean energy system and a clean energy economy, uh, you know, they actually kind of lit the, lit the fuse for this uh, testimony for the Heritage Foundation decades ago. Uh, there's an infamous memo drafted by a task force that was convened by the American Petroleum Institute in 1998 uh, that says that victory will be achieved when average citizens understand uncertainties in, in climate science. So. Uh, you know, this narrative that they set in motion decades ago um, is still out there and harmful. Um, and at the same time, you know, this, yeah, this claim that um, that uh, clean and renewable energy and a strong economy are at odds when all the evidence is, is to the contrary, seem to be the, the narrative um, that they that the Republicans were pursuing uh, today or on Tuesday. Um, and uh, that is, um, you know, really, uh, really what we heard from, from Tracy Lewis, from Public Citizen, what we heard from Representative Tlaib and uh, Representative Presley, for example, was the, that I, a, the real, energy freedom and energy security should be considered uh, and with in the context of a safe climate and uh, and a, a world that is actually safer for for people right what does energy independence mean for for whom is energy independence if we are in a planet that can't support actual people, human beings. Um, right. One of the things that was a centerpiece for big oil at the last United Nations Conference of Parties that took place in Glasgow late last year was this idea of offsetting emissions, that uh, net zero emissions would be the goal, that uh, we can keep spewing carbon as long as we're taking actions where that carbon is somehow neutralized. And if you do this beautiful, strange math, um, you'll end up with net zero. Did anybody at the House hearing that took place on Tuesday bring that issue up? Did they question it? Did they um, dissect it? Yes, definitely. That, um, that was one of the, the questions, one of the lines of questioning was really how, you know, while these companies are are pledging to be net zero by 2050. Really, when you when you start to dig into their their um, plans to the extent that they have plans uh, to get there, it really has to do with you know this business as usual, full steam ahead, continuing to increase emissions between now and 2030, and then somehow 
waving a magic wand sometime right before 2050 to remove carbon from the atmosphere. And that's through you know, technologies like carbon capture and storage that haven't been proven at scale and that you know that that it almost sounds like that film excuse. don't look up um had yeah. it, <laughs> yeah, it, does. Hmm. it does yeah <laughs> yeah um so i think you know we saw um this claim of of sort of removing or or offsetting emissions as um as you know the hail mary pass that these companies are 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 counting on What's the next step for the House Oversight Committee? I mean, Congress can hold all these hearings, but ultimately Congress is in charge of things like taxpayer subsidies for big oil, which they could end. There are actions that Congress could take now to hold these companies accountable. Outside of hearings, do you know what Congress is doing and what's a follow-up from the hearing that took place on Tuesday, as far as you know? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's really important that Congress pursue this investigation to the fullest extent of its authority, bring evidence into the public domain about uh, what these companies knew when and what they've done in spite of what they knew. And then, you know, the very important, um, the very important focus of the hearing on Tuesday about what their uh, what their current claims are and how they continue to to greenwash and delay and you know this information can certainly help to um, fuel more and drive more ambitious action um, by Congress and in federal policy in order to help the U.S. actually achieve the, the emissions reductions of at least 50% by, by 2030. Um, you know, provisions such as those included in the, in the Build Back Better Act. Uh, it should also inform consideration of ways to strengthen climate disclosure by, by corporations, by, by major oil and gas companies and, uh, and other companies. And, and that disclosure includes, you know, not only their their emissions and their, the full extent of their emissions, including emissions from burning their products, uh, but also what they're doing to support um, lobbying and and their political activity, which in many cases runs counter to their own stated positions. So. Those are a few things that that Congress should be doing. Um, meanwhile, you know this information is also really important to the investors of these companies. And one of the experts um, testing today, Mark, uh, testifying on Tuesday, Mark Van Ball of uh, a shareholder advocacy organization, Follow This, is advancing uh, shareholder proposals with ExxonMobil, Chevron, and other companies calling on them to adopt targets and plans to reduce the uh, global warming emissions associated with their business. And, you know, finally, the, these, it's, these hearings and this investigation are, are taking place amid a con- context of a rising tide of climate litigation, um, looking to hold these major oil and gas companies accountable, not only for the avoidable climate impacts that are associated with their their products and their business model, 
but also for the way that they've deceived people and policymakers and, and consumers. And so that those um, that information and that evidence being in in the public domain, just as it was with the tobacco industry, starting with the hearings that Representative Waxman led in 1994, is a, is crucial to accountability and access to justice through the courts. Catherine, give out a website for the Union of Concerned Scientists where people can find out more about the work you do and get involved. Yes, absolutely. It's ucsusa.org. We'll post a link to that from our website. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. My guest has been Catherine Mulvey, Accountability Campaign Director at the Climate and Energy Program with the Union of Concerned Scientists. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.